Kara. We're with the ocean today. It is still Earth. <laughs> and I had a big fancy seafood dinner. So oh, you did like... have a fancy seafood dinner on the wharf of Monterey. Yes. So nice. Um, it was the first time I'd been into Fish Hopper. Oh, oh is that good? <laughs> I, I was always told yeah. by folks who work there to stay stay super far away from that place. It's expensive. <laughs> so, oh, I yeah? mean, if you have not the problems with monies, then it is a great place. Everything was really tasty. Everything was super fresh. I was just like, all right. I think yeah. in terms of like clam chowder, there are, you could go to the pier and get better clam chowder. But for the fish, oh, it's a pretty view though. Like yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the view and I, I'm in love with the view. Like oh, you see the pier under the aquarium. We saw yeah, otters. we saw we even saw whales out there. I was like oh, they were blessing us. And anytime you like get all the giant glass windows and you're like extended over the ocean and you can see the waves crashing behind you like it's it's magical and you can feel it I'm like oh yeah exactly kind of feels a little dangerous like mm. <laughs> just, a, just a hint of danger <laughs> with a seafood platter to bear right it makes you appreciate your food all, all the more like I survived <laughs> I've been to Bubba Gumps, which is next to Fish Hopper, and I was just not impressed. So since then, I haven't been back to, like, really eat there. I've never been to Bubba Gumps. I've always felt like... <laughs> yeah. I've only... So the one time I was going to go, um, because it was a, a chain and uh, location, and we have one here in Baltimore, but... Um, not that far from me, but I was going to go in New Orleans. And I remember people are laughing at me, like, don't come here and ever go to like, what? Um, <laughs> and it was like, you know, we, we go to like the Rusty Pelican or whatever, whatever the, um, it is here. But whatever their local place, I went to like some hole in the wall and had the best oysters I've ever had with my coworker's wife. We, we, we were hanging out the whole time. Very fun. Oysters. That's when you have How like do you good eat oysters, by the way, because sometimes I feel awkward, like mm, an oyster. Oh, I you usually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I normally it depends, um, because I normally get them on the half shell, and then um, I just make sure with my like it's it's detached. Um, pick up the put down the fork and then pick up the shell, slurp it. That's essentially how it's supposed to be done, right? It's like you can't, you, it's like eating. I've seen people try to do this with the fork, and I'm like, that's technically like you're going to be put out if you go to like anywhere in the Northeast and you eat oysters with a, a fork. You're only using the fork to detach the oyster from the shell, on the, on the house shell. I put a little bit of lemon juice, um, some miniette sauce, or some, uh, some other type of sauce depending on what where i where i am because depending on where you are like here they'll use like a butter sauce or sometimes it's uh people will use like an actual like a tabasco style sauce mm -hmm. um mixed with like a cocktail sauce so it just depends on where you are but yeah i, I love a good fresh oyster 
I've always been so scared because it's a, it kind of falls under the it looks like raw, feels like raw, and I don't want to get salmonella raw. <laughs> yeah, which is why you have to go somewhere where they're like where you have where you trusted. I went to this place in New Orleans called GW Fence. Mm, okay. Uh, I was like, my brother did me dirty on some oysters once. Like, not dirty. <laughs> They were freshly caught and like I don't think they had been like rinsed through enough. Like they were literally freshly caught. He just popped the shell. We're like, here, eat this. And it was gritty. And I was like, why? I was like, is there sand in this? Like, what's happening? I was like, oh, this was not. And it's straight salt water. I was like, okay, okay. There was no hot sauce. There was no sauce. It was just no sauce. There was no sauce. No sauce. Why would Keith do that to you? And Keith, I was a child. This podcast berating you Keith. right now. <laughs> <Keith>. <laughs> it was salty, yeah. mucusy. The smell and the t- in the well. First of all, I mean, it depends. I've heard people say, and I think that's where you live. Like you should only eat oysters in the R in the R months, um, not if you're in like in certain places. Um, yeah, but the smell and the texture and all of that is. Uh, because the aroma is going to smell a certain way if it's not. And and you should probably try it first naked without the sauce. Um, naked. Try it naked first. Try it yeah. naked. Because if you, if th- that way, because if it's swimming in sauce, cocktail sauce, like you can't really tell if it's good or bad. You know what I mean? And, um, but yeah, th- there's uh, the, the old school. I asked a, a chef that was uh, in Cape Cod in Massachusetts at one point in time if the R thing was true. And he was like, that is that was um, kind of an old school thought because of that's when waters were the coldest mm-hmm. um, and that worried about the warmer months would like grow uh, algae. Um, and so that that's what, where it came from. But it's like, no, that's just in today's time you don't have to worry about that so the hard the r months is not actually an accurate statement anymore ah. well i learned something new <laughs> right <laughs> seriously i feel like prayers every time you're like mm, i know the bad and bougie foods and i know how to go about it like you're you're the one <laughs> sings the deep sea blues <laughs> I really like the comment here that Klopp put in the uh, chat where he's like, the whales, oh my God, the whales, the elders. I'm like, yes. I feel that spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They are. That is actually a good way. I've never heard it. We, we had a wonderful conversation about whales and which whales have baleen and which whales have teeth and why the ones with teeth are like, especially terrifying. Yeah. Oh, like those killer whales, the orcas. Yes. Oh, God. Free Willy the, is like about to kill Willy. Of the, the rude ass, yes, those guys. And then also the fact that like sperm whales and giant squid exist and have been having prehistoric battles. Yeah. Really? Do they just yeah. pop off if they're within regions? Well, because they like. I saw pictures. I, did, I was like, Not the whales try to. <laughs> The squid has a gnarly beak, and they they really duke it out. And it's just like, dear humans, I love that we really think that we be on our like top tier, yeah, shit. And we're just like, ah, uh, no, we yeah. couldn't. Are terrifying. We're on land. We're 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 not. 
anywhere near. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Go test those waters and see who wins. Like it's not it's not us. All right. Like <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> the funny thing about being an ocean baby is like I've always been terrified of swimming in the ocean. Aww. not interested like literally not interested and it's just because like what we've only discovered like 30 percent of its species in there yeah, yeah. i, yeah. I wouldn't I... swim in the pacific ocean either I, that that ocean terrifies me it's the it's the fact that it is it like the atlantic ocean is a lot calmer um even the like yeah i i was not prepared i think for Pacific Ocean, like choppiness, um, it scares me overall. Like I, I've never been scared to be like on a barge or something, except for the <laughs> I have to try some other ones, and I have to be like, well, if I get in the Indian Ocean, maybe I'll be terrified too. But I feel like it's a, uh, it's it's the the Pacific Ocean, and then you know what it is because when same we have like the same idea where we have the bay, and then we have you know out to the estuary to the ocean, you can see the difference. But I feel like that was much more visible when I was uh, going out from the bay onto like you know seeing the ocean, and it's like oh, that's the <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the real ocean, like. <laughs> Yeah. under the golden gate bridge you're like oh hold on hold on i can feel you know i never feel the difference here there is a big difference yeah it's an angry old ocean that's what i'm like oh there's some oceans where like this seems like it would embrace you yeah and then there's some oceans where you're like this seems like an angry old ocean and it would not like that's it's yeah it's like it is the oldest so, so i'm like for po- for folks that don't know why i said yeah it's like it is the uh the oldest, like the Arctic Ocean is, is, is like a baby ocean. It's like 200 million years old or something. It's like, yeah, you don't really count, you know? <laughs> You're like a little a toddler. Sorry for my ignorance, but wait, oceans have an age? A separate yeah. age from the other oceans? Yeah, because the Pacific is the, is the oldest ocean in the world. So it's like the floor is the oldest of the, oh. yeah. Okay. In terms of- Tectonic plates. Yeah, just in terms of when the ocean began forming. Yeah. That Um, makes sense. Sorry, I just thought like all, they were all like, you know, connected together the whole time. And so like, yeah, because they've been connected the whole time. That's like, they're all just one body of water. It's just regionally, we name them different to distinguish them. Right. But I learned something. Wow. Today is, I just finished watching (laughs) that. uh, (laughs) I just finished watching that um, nature show that Obama narrates. And so I'm like, ooh, I want to see that. Yeah. How is that, by the way? Basically, Obama is just the new Morgan Freeman. Like, everyone's just going to use his voice for everything. Oh, okay. I got to see it. It looks I mean, I so good. <laughs> we can't be mad at it. Not at all. He has a good voice. He has a good narrator voice, I feel like. Yeah, he really does. It's, it's iconic. And. It's comforting. So I think that's why he yeah. made such a good politician. Like not only he was like doing the thing and leading the lead, but he was also, you know, just very calming and doesn't make you feel panicked. You know what I mean? Whereas like all yeah. these other guys, you feel panic. He's like, uh, 
All right. Well, that's um, how's our week. Uh, <laughs> let us know how your week is going in the chat. Uh, we would love to hear your stories or things that have happened. We will probably read them as we go along through this podcast. So um, forgive me for my greenness today. Uh, no pun with the hair, but I am trying to catch up with everything that's going on. Sometimes V just finished moving. So yay, I'm in my new house. I've been talking about this for months, but because of such, I'm not fully set up. So like, Kylie, if you can help me remember what the next subject is, that would be great. Yeah. So um, our discussion that we really wanted to tackle um, was really about like um, self-expression and how we do that through makeup, through fashion. What does it mean um, to carry your self-expression in the corporate world, quote unquote? And nowadays, really, what does it even mean to be corporate? Because a lot of us are working from home. And like, do you still feel the need to like, I don't want to say like tidy up or be professional. I feel like we have a lot of conversations about professionalism as three plus size black women on this show and how many people have just watching us, whatever we do, like it doesn't really matter how we show up. There's always critiques. Um, So I just, I would love to just have that conversation and uh, hear your opinions on it, especially as people who are very self-expressive. Oh, that's a, this is a great um, topic. Um, because I feel like there is fashion for so much has been like, it is how we show up in the world, those artifacts that we wear. It's where your personal style really is an extension of, of your, of how you're presenting your authentic self. It's like those little moments of like, you look at someone's accessories, um, and you go, okay, I can get a sense of who you are. You look at their colors that they choose to wear, um, Um, And then, right, when you're in a space that is uh, more um, in a, I'll say, in a corporate space, you, I oftentimes will mute a lot of those things uh, until I have some sense of, like, understanding of what the, what the environment is, um, because, right, I don't wear color to, uh, maybe slightly, and I, this comes from the fact that I worked in sales and, fundraising much of my life. So the idea that I'm asking um, people for money and or, you know, selling something, part of that is selling yourself, you know, so it's um, the, the muting of my personal identity is a almost like just second nature. Um, a lot of the times, you know, there is a salesman um, wardrobe. So it's like, usually you wear studs, you don't wear larger hoops or you know a, a more statement earring you don't wear statement necklaces you don't wear chokers you don't usually wear anything around the neck because you have to wear a um a collared shirt um and so even like a scoop neck is appropriate but you can't wear like a boat neck shirt so it's it's just all those little things where it's like who made these rules these are rules that were made in the like 50s storm admin era <laughs> <laughs> Scoop neck, boat neck. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up in today's time. And plus, you're not really presenting, which I I feel like in today's world where we're saying we want to have our workforce more representative representative of the demographics of this country, then in that case, you have to bring those authentic pieces of your culture into your wardrobe. Um, 
And so the scarf, you know, I, I usually will always have a scarf. That's that's where my, you know, myself is usually. Um, and either where how I tie it and how I wear it, it might be on my bag during an event or something like that, that I can take and then put it around my neck or if I can put it around my hair, depending on um, how I want to use it. So, yeah, it's hard. I feel like there's, um, especially with design, because a lot of the times this is where, you know, you do find a designer that can curate those elements of your personal style um, that, you know, you connect with. So if that's, you know, all men or if that's that's Dior or Armani, um, right, there used to be like Armani was the power suit, the business suit. Um, and then you think about like what that says uh, for people, um, because if you're, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, that's very European designer. Um, if you're, you know, if you're not uh, of European descent, like Italian, co- you know, couture is not like fit every particular body. Doesn't, you know, um, or Prada or whatever you're you're wearing. So it's like the designer piece. I'm like, hmm, I always think it's interesting that you know, who would excavating and digging deep for those like designers who actually fit your aesthetic there's a guy i can't think of his name now kofi boteng who does uh very european cuts but uses uh african fabrics and a lot of people uh a lot of kind of designers are getting into the spotlight now who are mixing those like indigenous fabrics and you know styles but putting it with that like high fashion uh, Italian cut or European cut. And I think that's pretty exciting of a way to bring your, show your heritage and your culture without losing that. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm looking through this guy's, um, like just to make sure that I spell his name, it's like Kofi, like Kofi Kingston and B-O-A-T-N-G, T-E-N-G. Yeah. Yeah, so... I think what's funny is that there's a lot of mixed relationships with like what is freedom of expression versus risk taking in your professional life. And so I'm going to put it in the chat. It's I called it is Oswald Bolting. Um, I'll put it in the. Uh, oh, OK, great, great, great. Um, so I feel that the more comfortable I've been with dressing, however, whether if it's like more Mm -hmm. professional and like more refined and still aligns with my freedom of expression is based off of my job security. And so if Mm. I feel that I'm doing a good job at my job, that I'm not at risk of being like, you know, terminated or on some dumb, like, you know, performance improvement plan, um, that I'm allowed to walk around the business the way that I feel is comfortable, still represents myself, but also in combination of representing um, the company itself. So that way the company sees that there's a sense of diversity, but not diversity with like, you know, race-based diversity, but also like, you know, expression diversity. Um, and so, but I have been in spaces where I needed to kind of LARP the look to make sure that I blend in and I'm not offending somebody or it risks my job or my reputation. And so it's hard because it's like, you don't know which spaces that, you know, if you try to wear something as simple, like, you know, sometimes I like to wear like, 
like if I were to go to an event and it's a corporate event, but I still want to stay like 100% me, I would keep the hair down. I would wear the hoops. I would wear um, a very nice, you know, complimentary makeup. I wear the dark lipstick, um, which are things that I feel very comfortable that are kind of me. Like I love dark lipstick. I love heavy eye makeup. Um, and then I would wear like, you know, something simple skirt, but like, you know, things that kind of express as me is making sure that my piercing is showing is also wearing maybe some boots that look kind of like a little alternative. And so these are some things that I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much me, but some folks who want me to blend in with them because of some societal jigsaw, they'll be like, yeah. I don't think that was it, fam, you know? And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll get the comment whether if it's behind my back or someone will say it in a group meeting being like, you know, we really need to talk about how we present ourselves at these events. And so, you know, somebody, it was either yourself or like somebody else who was just as like alt as you just being like, okay, did we fuck up? <laughs> like, yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> there, that's, that's happened to me before in, in a lot of spaces. And I feel like there's been a sense of um, just kind of LARPing to the group since, you know, church days for me, like you have to wear your, your Sunday best. You have to show up in a certain way to be respected. And like, I'm glad that I'm kind of transitioning into an environment where I don't have to do that anymore, which feels great. Um, <laughs> but I know that some people have to rely on that for survival. And so that's the okay. difference for me. Um, I don't know, Kylie, it looks like you're about to lean in. Yeah. Well, cause I was going to say, I've had, um, the experience of, you know, trying to dress the most professional, you know, going to Torrid and going to Lane Bryant and trying to, you know, buy the the muted clothes and yep. the, the response muted. that I got. Muted. 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 You're quiet. <laughs> You're maybe, obedient. Navy and black. Yeah. Was like navy and black or like dark greens. And I was just like, I'm a very colorful person. I love patterns. I like... I will mix match materials, um, but I also am uh, very conscientious about the amount of clothing that I have too. I think also it's like, I don't wanna say that it's all about money, but it is about, since we just had Earth Day, um, I've always been drawn to clothing that will last me a very long time as well. And I think sometimes in like corporate settings, like your the expectations for you to like not necessarily wear some of your your same like statement pieces over and over again is a thing. And I think some certain people will develop like their own kind of uniforms. And I'm like, I feel like I'm one of those people. Where like, I, there's very much like a few Kylie statement pieces, or like Kylie kind of looks like Kylie all the time. Whether it is like a mix mash of like patterns, there are like clothes that are like well I'll just wear forever and ever and ever and then when I'm done with them they they have served their purpose well um but some of the feedback that I've gotten from that is like that there really is no blending <laughs> there is no blending and that even <laughs> if I try to blend and when I'm trying to blend that I still stick out anyway because I'm tall <laughs> one and like I'm, I'm just I'm a larger than life person so I I've had people come up to me and be like you don't have to like try and camouflage yourself. Like, right. please just keep being you because it makes everybody else around you feel better. Like they can tell oh, when I'm trying yeah. to fake it. And they're like, they can tell they're like, and that's when people get worried. They're like, 
okay, I see you're dressing. Like, what's going on? Like, what what's happening? <laughs> things okay? Like, you're not you're not wearing the like tongue in cheek whatever funny things that you would normally wear. Like today, I am wearing penis earrings. They give me so much joy. I've Wait. discovered them yesterday. I want a pair. <laughs> right. So they Wait, were are originally. They brown? They're brown and black. They're actually obsidian <laughs> stone um, because like, oh, nice. <laughs> oh, we're well, black because <laughs> I'm black, y'all. Because I'm black as black and I'm black. black. What? Oh my god. My dicks are black. My dicks are black and brown. Um, yes. <laughs> Love my penis. My peni. Peni. <laughs> Pen-eye. 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 So pen-eye. you can't just have one penis, but you need to have multiple penis. Yeah, it, it fits. We're it. I feel like it fits. <laughs> it's the aesthetic. It, it does. It really works. Yes, Kylie cannot have just one. They're like Skittles, Pop Tarts, Pringles. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, would I wear penis? earrings to a corporate event no but i'd still wear my plugs you know what i mean like i'm not gonna have floppy ear holes and i'm not gonna go somewhere that i wouldn't be able to like exist you know what i mean Which i is like yeah i like to yeah. think of us as like <laughs> i can't get over skittles um <laughs> i hate you you know that's what okay. that's fair we exchanged i said sneezing you said skittles we're 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 even <laughs> Sneezing is not the same as Skittles. I love you. Um, I would like to think of folks' style in a way that it can be interchangeable. So, like, you can showcase a sense of freedom of expression <laughs> through even formal wear. Because I, I just remembered this moment when I was a kid uh, while playing Tekken. Tekken. Um, Tekken Tag's my favorite for those who are listening. Um, but anywho... Uh, <laughs> when you're at the character selection screen, you have the character like, you know, ready in there, but like the default look is kind of like their most authentic look. They're kind of like their normal day-to-day look. So if you press, I think it's X, that's their default look. That's the one that you're going to be fighting with, right? But if you press different buttons, like Y, you get a different fit that still fits with the character's persona. So uh, Lee is like one of them. So sometimes Lee will have like a a jacket like a denim jacket but then he has another outfit where he's like like you know basically cocktail ready like cocktail party ready so like i thought that was kind of cool and then same thing with um with uh not jen jen's dad uh is it kazuya it might be kazuya it's the guy that looks like vegeta but kazuya also has a fit oh yeah uh yeah where he has like his white outfit with the with the red gloves but then when you switch them he also is also cocktail ready in a different suit and then same thing with nina nina will have the purple suit but sometimes she's wearing a dress so it's kind of nice to see like the inner like they can interchange but they're still the same like fighter and it doesn't really take away from their character and so i kind of thought the same thing where it's like oh i can dress up and not have to like you know compromise my personality um, it's just what I'm wearing today. So like, I can still have a sense of freedom of expression with that as well. And so I don't want to make it sound like because you're wearing formal wear that you have to conform. It's more so like you can still, you know, dress it up to it's you as well. Absolutely. 
So and that's the importance of that. Yeah, the the bringing your culture into um, into your dress because there's I've seen all kinds of uh, plays on recently because it's a popular style to uh, to uh, try to bring into fashion. But a lot of folks are trying to capture like East East Asian uh, kimonos and build it as a now as a form of uh, a formal wear. Um, but that's now something like now you you see that more and more where there's like all these different types of fabric that are shaped into a kimono. So it's not just a silk or a silken fabric. Now you have them and, and you know, this really uh, interesting, these blends and, and more uh, different of a wide array of fabrics. I've seen it in everything from like polyester trash. <laughs> 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 I have a few of those like beach style kimono uh, stuff. And then you're like, oh, okay. You know, the, I like, I, f- I feel empowered that they've given you a choice of fabrics that you can choose from and say, you know, what's the fabric for me uh, that kind of the, the fabric based on like what the shape is and what the, um, how buttoned up or whatever, how corporate I want to be at that, that time. I think the flip side of this conversation, which is one that like really um, the kimono really kind of like brought that to me is mm-hmm. there is an, an aspect of wanting to protect and kind of like gatekeep some of those cultural aspects because I have seen, you know, the result of, you know, bringing your personal cultural identity into work and then having people outside of that culture then assimilate or uh, out of appreciation try to emulate that style and not understanding those personal rooted connections to that style and why it's like oh I wear this because it's it's literally part of me you're wearing it because you find it aesthetically pleasing some somewhere in there in that gray area is some some deep trauma pain and <laughs> i think it's important to acknowledge that as well like by all means if you're if you're like costume for work not costume if the way that you show up for work is not riddled with a bunch of personal um affectations and it's because like you want to keep your those parts of yourself private like completely entirely valid um i think we do open ourselves up for those types of interactions when we wear our personal things out and about because uh i i think conversations around respect and assimilation versus appreciation are still very nuanced and that's for sure feel entitled people just feel entitled Yeah, I agree. I think about teachers a lot with this. Yeah. Like, shout outs to a friend of mine, by the way. Her name's Lydia Rodriguez. She is a uh, music teacher in the Bay. Uh, She shows up as her authentic self every day, every class. There is no concerns about what she is wearing. But I know that some folks don't have that type of freedom. And so with teachers, like, you know, teachers have to wear a certain way, dress a certain way for school, right? Very neutral. 
Um, some cases, some teachers will overdo it and like will be super professional, but it also depends on like who they're encountering, right? If it's the kids, it's less pressure than if you're working with like their parents, which parents can be like a blessing and a scary thing at the same time <laughs> um, when working in a school system. And so if a teacher's out in public and like, let's say a teacher, like their default look is like, oh, I'm goth, like all the time, except during my teaching hours. And then you show up in public as goth and they, you have a student run into like, not only like, I don't think the students would think any type of way, but I'm sure like parents would be like, wait, what is this? They're freaking weird. And then there's a set, there's a, like an internalized discredit. And so I'm not saying that happens all the time. Like if someone wants to like blow my ass up and be like, I'm a gothic teacher and this doesn't happen, then great. I want to hear more stories that that does not happen. Please prove me wrong. I want to be proven wrong. But it is scary to just come out and be like, one day I'm just going to wear my short shorts and like maybe a sports bra with like a jacket to the grocery store and you run into your teacher or you run into a, a student and their parent who that parent probably has like some step for wife like expectation of how you should be presented in public and then then she starts to gossip with all her other mommies and just be all like poisonous about it and so that's the intrusive thought that comes with this but at the end of the day it should be more about your comfort and also it should be more about your your freedom about how to dress whatever you want just as long as it's not like you know like an offensive sign on your arm offensive. Or, yeah and and that's the thing of what what is offensive to everyone because I I have a fun experience that yesterday um, shout out to uh, Twill Distilled um, hey. who had her birthday uh, is on this? Monday and I happy went to birthday. her yeah happy birthday early um, went to her birthday party this this uh, yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, my son met his first Satanist at uh, Twill's birthday party. <laughs> who really adorned herself with, you know, things, artifacts that represent, um, represent her and her beliefs. And so my son was completely infatuated with like, just joined this, this, this wonderful person at the hip and just asked her every single question he possibly could. And he just never left her side. And and on top of that, uh, she was a fan F uh, fan, which was also like, you this child is never leaving you at this point he literally tried to hide from me when it's time to go but (laughs) to that end she mentioned this example of her going to a grocery store and like someone like shaking a a cross or something at her it's the idea of like what i will say is policing people's wardrobes and choices um that is something now granted my son gets to learn that experience earlier at, you know, 10 or 11 years old, but as an adult, I would hope that we all know that you ain't like, you can't go around here policing people's wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And that should be something that like, the more that we, we talk about how, you know, we go through the process of self-editing, people need to go through the process of also learning how to respect other people's fashion choices and like that's not something that I feel like I ever hear often I never really hear I hear the the the, uh fashion code right or the dress code that comes with uh, in the handbook but I don't see a lot of ideas around respecting people's differences like you said as long as it's not offensive I had a friend who got upset because her boss on a plane to a conference 
Shout out to my beloved friend. I love her. It's my best friend. But she's very, because she works in a corporate bank in a very, very buttoned up position. Um, and this person is, you know, as a senior executive at the the biggest bank in, in the world. And you're coming and she's like, she has a slim, thick shirt on. Now, you know, senior executive at a bank, they're going to a, co- a conference and she's like, she doesn't know who she's going to see on the plane. But my thing is like, but they should, folks should be respecting her privacy, her, her distance. Like she's not at the conference yet. She's like, coming. on a plane. What do you want her to, do? you want her to wear her suit on the plane? Like it's uncomfortable. Let her wear a t-shirt that yeah. says slim thick on My a plane. My friend felt insulted by it. Like well, people are going to think, you know, it's, it's the idea around like, but we are black women in this corporate space that we're already in, in imposters in at this point. We're, we're faced with this this thinking every day. So by wearing the slim thick, she felt like you're validating this, you know, position that people have where it's like, oh, y'all are going to come in. This, this is why we don't hire you in these senior executive positions. That's what she felt. <laughs> Imposter more like keeping us out, like. Well, no, like the imposters are just the, oh, the, yeah. the their view to towards us that like you're yeah the the fact that we have that imposter syndrome because of the fact that there has been you know a very overlooked talent pool you know to for for a lot of senior executive jobs in in a very and especially in finance where it's like finance bros run the world. I don't, you know, finance bros can wear whatever they wear. Their shirt might not say slim thick, but it probably has whatever their favorite band or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or like favorite what's beer. Favorite beer. Like, what's the difference? Favorite I'm like, bar? you put some, uh, having a conversation with some of these finance bros, you have to, you have to edit, you know, yourself to, because um, to, anything's on the, on the table. So I'm less like, I thought it was funny that she was, because I never realized how, how conservative my friend was with her fashion. In her choices and I thought oh my gosh girl I did not know you were you know <laughs> like as long as we've been friends I didn't know that you you know but it makes sense because she's worked in finance her whole entire life in banking and uh and I think for her right it's the image of like when you say that you're giving the self the self view that you are not the demographic that that they you know or that you're giving license or credence for people to judge us as women as black women in the space of being like you're not welcome here because yes you're going to come with a slim thick shirt and but the finance bros can wear whatever they want you know and they can you know do whatever in the office and it's okay or even if they wear their famous sports team like that might not be you know what i'm saying appropriate Depending on where, where (laughs) the office. Sorry, go on. And space end though. Like, at what point are you assumed to be on the clock the minute you get on the plane? Like, that's what I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that like your now off duty wardrobe, meaning if you're off at business hours, but if you are on business travel, are you then required to to follow the dress code? On a plane? Nah. <laughs> never. You will never catch me in slacks. And like, is this up. a private plane? Like, like what? No, it's not a private plane. It's commercial. I'm flying commercial. Oh, no, Did I'm wearing. Did you pay for my first class? No, because it's commercial. Yeah. 
There is no she was flying first class, but oh. I mean that has more to do with the fact of like her choosing. You know what I mean? She like got money. <laughs> she got money. She yeah. works for the bank. She's a high exec. Yeah, she works a high exec. So yeah, I um, feel like uh, at what point? And here's there's another thing of um, like we police ourselves. I think the most because we understand mm-hmm. what it how difficult it has been to attain some of these positions. But the idea yeah. is that we have the freedom to attain those positions. Once you attain them, sis has clearly done all the work. She's clearly put in the time, yeah, the, the energy. If you don't let her rest so, baby, in first class with the- her peach bellini and her slim thick shirt on, she has earned a slim thick shirt. I don't. And that you're at that level, it's almost like I don't know what type of again the self editing that we've all talked about. Um, and I like that Klopp just said. Uh, everyone has a brand, our employees feel entitled to police our personal branding. And that's what I felt like my friend was doing a little bit, like, hold on a second. Well, wait a second. You're being a little unfair because you're expecting for this person to show up the way you show up. Um, And I know how conservative my friend is. Like she doesn't even dress, you know, she doesn't really even dress down on dress down days. Rarely, you know what I mean? And that's just, she conditions herself to be um, present her her best all the time mm-hmm. um but yeah i wonder sometimes like well where do you get up when do you get off when do you let your hair down and if the most i'm letting my hair down is wearing my like college sweatshirt i'm not buttoned down you know <laughs> i'm still i think dressed. it's also like i don't know um how your friend was like raised but i mm-hmm. think there are certain class expectations as well so if you've always been raised to you know dress a certain way to only accept certain materials like and it's also about access like if you've had access to that if you can clearly curate an image and have the money to to you know have that image now at this point it's not it's clearly not about money so the slim slim thick shirt is not about money she can afford whatever she's in first class but it's also like she it's can afford about, whatever. It's just about and policing women. Comfort. Yeah, it's just yeah. about policing women. It's about policing women. It's about policing yes. women of color, especially. Um, yes. It's 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 the entitlement that comes from those who run on white supremacy to say, right. like, oh, we get to control yeah. every little thing that these people of color are doing because they're trying to conform to us. It's like, no, we're not trying to conform to you. We just want the same opportunities that you guys are getting handouts for. So let's well, talk. It, becomes, it does become internalized. It does, you know, we, we've seen that clearly with how even religion is in the States uh, amongst the black communities. And, you know, if you really want to look at like why the black community is so Christian, it is this sense of like validation and needing yeah. to use that to say that we are human beings and choose or and deserve to be treated equally. And so there, there become you know, where you start to use the tools, you know, that yeah. were used against you. So um, I see a part of that as assimilation. A part of that is, you know, personal choice. And um, I think it is something that we do need to be conscious of when we encounter people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our own bias in this. Our own bias. And then too, as, as, as I feel like when you are a person of color, you there there is a notion i feel like and v you said this earlier in church i feel like i have been more policed by people who look like me Mm -hmm. or or you know sort of tone policed whatever that is 
but especially when it comes to fashion, I still remember I jokingly say like my, you know, when I got old enough to dress myself for church and I wore a white suit and it was a pantsuit and like my grandmother's friend pinched me and I'm like an adult. I'm, I was, I was there like get looking at the church for my wedding at the time. So I was like uh, getting ready to get married. And she was like, don't you ever let me see you in pants again. You hear, you know, <laughs> she was, she was embarrassed for me. And she and embarrassed my grandmother because my grandmother probably sent her over there to do it. <laughs> you know? Like, the, mm, that's a whole different conversation for another day, but I, yeah, yeah. Mm, I cannot. We <laughs> each other. We, we do that, you know, the fa- it's my friend who was a woman of color who was in the corporate space and the same, you know, is looking up to this woman who felt like she doesn't fit this, the image that I want to uh, us to be presenting because I feel like they're looking at us all the time and making judgments. And she's giving them. I love that you say us. I feel (laughs) it is is the uh, mantle of pressure that you are representative (laughs) of the black collective, which is not true. You're only a representative of you. Yeah, exactly. She is not doing bad justice by where I think you said it'd be like what what does that mean slim thick like is that a bad term I feel like even the idea around like why my friend thought that was so bad <laughs> I was like well, have, you seen, have you seen some of these shirts you know what I mean like there's a lot of things I've met God you know so, some of the stuff that I've seen like in the and then that follows whatever that uh, the slogans are that you can add to that there's all kinds of stuff I've seen but graphic tees I, I'll just say graphic tees overall th- that is a good way of people prov- giving self-expression and now you're policing that we're not you know if we yeah, if yeah. we start not saying that that's okay to wear your graphic tee like that's where a lot of identity is. Ew, I'm about to get that blazer with the Pokemon inside, with the Pokemon lining. Yeah. I'm about to get another one with the Inuyasha lining. I'm about to get another one with some 90s anime that these new kids don't know about. Voltron's old school. So, oh my. <laughs> all right, I think this is a great segment on this. Uh, anybody who feels that you're being policed by your style because someone's like, that's not appropriate, please let us know in the chat. Um, so I know we were talking about church. I want to talk about wine, drunk wine, wine drunk shots, <laughs> red, the blood of Jesus. May. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, <laughs> yes. Hitting I'm our buy nerd. you a drink. Got long live T Pain the God. Okay, um, <laughs> long. Our nerdy and dirty segment today uh, is about uh, alcohol and arousal, love, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Um, I wanted to talk about drinking, lowered inhibitions. Uh, What are our thoughts on having drunk sex? I feel like it's been kind of like... I don't want to misbehave here. Yes, misbehave. I don't want to misbehave. (laughs) Please misbehave. Do it. Do it. Uh, I feel like the expectations for what like drunk sex is portrayed as in the media is not the reality of drunk sex. And I feel like people should maybe stop pursuing drunk sex. Oh, a take. A take. Uh, 
from someone who is a big fan of enthusiastic consent, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like at a certain point, like, I don't know, I, I don't think people spend enough time actually learning their limits. And there's a certain point where drinking to lower your inhibitions and drinking to feel good turns into like limp dick and (laughs) and i'm just but that's where my mind incapacitation i gotta you gotta draw the line somewhere incapacitation is not intoxication (laughs) so v look (laughs) weigh in on it baby oh i'm really bad i don't i I like it. <laughs> I'm really bad. No, I, so, um, you're not bad. I, no, I actually in my twenties. Oh, I can say in my twenties. Oh shit. Oh, shit. Um, your homegirl had a birthday recently. Um, yeah. In my twenties, <laughs> uh, I, I actually appreciated drinking and then hooking up. Like that was something that I liked doing. Um, I will talk about the dark side of that in a moment, but on the light fun side, it's kind of fun to be clumsy and just do stuff. Um, whether depending on like, you know, whether if it's like aggressive or it's just a lot of tossing and turning, or if it's just a lot of like, you know, clumsy mishaps, like, you know, just like knocking over a cup or knocking over like somebody's game controller. Oh no. Chaos. Um, I I kind of like the chaotic feel when I was like, you know, just hooking up with whomever, um, like in my early twenties. And so I got a sense of a weird high from it, but it was more like an endorphin high. Um, meaning that like, you know, I like to kind of like have a story after the fact and without making, you know, whomever feel bad. The the cons are definitely, yeah, there is a lot of limp whiskey dick that happens, um, especially if the other person is just as inebriated. Um, and that's not fun because they're, they're making all these excuses to be like, I swear, I swear I can get it up. I'm like, bro, take your time. Like, we, we just got here. I'll see you in the morning, dick, <laughs> like, just, when you're no longer whiskey dick. Like, keep your hands out your no-no square and just let me do the work. Like, no, no, um, but no, like I, I, I would have a lot of fun. And it's also just because of like how the buildup to that situation would happen. It's like, whether I'm talking to somebody beforehand or if we're at a bar or if we're at a music show, depending on what the scenario was, I would usually have a lot of fun with it. So yes to that, but I always say safety first. Right. So like, obviously there's signs, um, there's signs where it's like, it hasn't gone too far is a bit too much, meaning that you have to kind of suss out whether how conscious that person is, right? So like there has been a time where I had to like, I'm like, hands up, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. You're like, you're asleep, I can't do anything. <laughs> and so, um, so once it kind of gets to that part, it's like, it's either like, okay, you need to back up and like not do anything anymore. You gotta like watch the person's speech. You gotta watch the person's like, you know, motor movement, mo- mobility. It being and you have to be a good judgment too in the moment so like there have been scary situations too where it's like if you drink too much and you're not aware about what you're doing then it could result in a really iffy situation and so that's why it's like it's really one of those things you have to make sure how much you're drinking gauging where the person's at if they're like blacked out or just too drunk because you gotta say no at that point um because there's been times where i've been too drunk and someone would still try to make a move and then i would wake up super uncomfortable being like 
yeah, this is not fun. This is not fun anymore. And so, and also waking up with a hangover too is not fun as well. And so there are the cons to that as well, which Kylie, I'm sure you will address because you're like, I don't like it for good reason. And, and so it's like one of those things that you have to make sure like what you're getting into and also knowing where the, where the, not the borderline, uh, where that line is you're about to cross. And so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm done. Please someone take over. Prowess. <laughs> I, I think um, similarly, I feel like there is a, as I keep saying, intoxication and incapacitation, totally different things. And I feel like there is also the condition that I feel like most people probably have only seen uh, intoxication on the emotional arousal that is something is more um, the, the happier side. And um, because I come from a history of, of, of alcoholism in my family, I've seen that also the unpredictable side of the emotional arousal that leads more towards physical aggression, verbal aggression. Um, so I prefer, I don't like to um, actually indulge liberally, like having a drink, I will, but I don't like to indulge liberally and then connect it to like my, uh, to sex in any way. Um, but that's just me and, you know, kind of what the experience that I've had from like, again, thinking of any pharmacological effects of any types of, of, of drug, alcohol has an expectancy, I think, where people are like, okay, you know, you, you do it to loosen. Um, and because it is a, a legalized substance um, does not make it any less dangerous. It's still a drug. Um, and it is one that, you know, again, yeah, celebration and um, relaxing of inhibitions and being able to mix those things. I just feel like for me, there's been a, such a longer lasting effect of the other pieces. Like um, there also is like so many things that I've read or studies that have been done on the fact that like it actually is not, does not improve performance. Uh, you know, women actually have less vaginal lubrication when they're intoxicated. They have, yeah, you're more, it's more difficult to achieve orgasm. Like, so certain things and I'm just like, you know, just on that alone, I prefer those two things, um, over, uh, being, he <laughs> <laughs> <We> disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> go on please <laughs> <laughs> I prefer that you know so I'm like well listen I well I will drink to and I think I I know the fact around it like the beer goggles idea absolutely I feel like that I don't know if that's a myth we have less um, but it's been I watch those myth busters and I right. love the fact that they've yeah. they you're more approved <laughs> the beer goggles effect, effect that like you, you know, can actually think things alone. are slightly better or more attractive um than they are when you are not not intoxicated so I feel like there's and you know just the fact that our hormones are so affected by everything and it's like it's also like how enzymes that break down alcohol because I'm like I'm not um you know your weight and your uh you know your physiological like body composition and metabolism and all that stuff like there's things and breaking those things down I'm not the same body that I was at like 
21. You know what I mean? And so a long time ago, a long time ago. And <laughs> in our <laughs> 20s, like, oh, in our 20s. 20s. Just like two years yeah. ago. <laughs> I'm pushing on the a double that age. I could have a child that's 21 at this point. Um, so yeah, you know, you're like, in that way, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like what that experience is as, as now as an adult, I'm able to make decisions based on that, that I wasn't ever, you know, at 21, wasn't even considering. Like, the most that I might think about like a sexual misconduct or something like that could happen. Like you said, where you're, you're not able to give your full expressive consent and that happening. But now I'm like the, the casual effects of it that, uh, you know, you're not taking away my orgasm just so I can have, like have, have a seat. We can drink, but we're not going to do too much. (laughs) (laughs) I love to take a seat. (laughs) Take a seat. I mean, so part of this is like um, empowering people to have agency and mm-hmm. I think confidence and um, to feel comfortable within their own bodies. Because I think a lot of people will turn to alcohol to give that to them, yeah. right? This yeah. idea that now it's, I'm comfortable enough to maybe reach out and touch someone. Like if your goal is to have sex that night and maybe you're socially awkward or you have anxiety or... Oh, you oh, cut out. Did we lose Kylie? Uh, she cut out for me. Yeah, she did too. It's okay, Kylie. We'll just keep talking, and we'll we'll figure out when you when you come back back in. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> I was um, like, I must have glitched. Where oh, did I? Yes, stop? you're back glitched. now. You're back now. <laughs> Baby, come back. Do, 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 do. That's my glitching. Like ah, yes. We've become... <laughs> this is your tester. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, they'll let me know when I'm back and they can see me. Uh, I think probably I cut off uh, social anxieties. Yep. That's where you're Um, So people, you know, using alcohol as a tool um, to like come together and have like a general understanding that, okay, this is the space that we are trying to uh, embark upon and be in together. Um, I think that encouraging people to have more self-agency will like counteract this idea that um, there has to always be an excuse to have sex. Mm-hmm. Because I really think that, you know, that's like cutting rape culture off at the legs. Like you don't need to really apply pressure because someone doesn't have the agency to come to you and tell you what they want. Um, you don't need to apply pressure because someone can't be respected and approach you. Um, right. So. so my experience with that is basically like I would use it as a device. And mm-hmm. this is where I, I will say I have matured, matured. since then. Um, and I've grown since then. Because there has been times where like as much as I did front at the beginning, like, yeah, I like I like drinking and having sex because it's it, it's fun for me. But you're right, Kylie. Like, I hate that it's transformed into a thing where it has enabled rape culture. Um, and where it's like guys will, or, and I say guys as a generalization, not like saying ladies rape too. We know yeah, this. Yes. But in my experience, guys will just like encourage girls to drink more. And then like on the side, there's like some, some sort of like motive being like, oh, she's gonna get so fucked up, dude. 
she's gonna she she's gonna come she's gonna come all over you blah 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 and I'm like like or come on, bro she knows what those drinks come with which is the assumption that those drinks come with sex yeah. um, right. And that the expectation is that it all depends on. So it, it, I feel like there's also a piece of, uh, there's cultural uh, notes in here because I feel like they're depending on if you, where you live, right? The legal drinking age is different. And if you are generally, I mean, the majority of the rest of the world where drinking wine is, uh, you know, an activity that can be consumed, or thing that, uh, that can be consumed by people that are much younger than the legal drinking age here, it's not really a tool for arousal in that case. I think, but anyway, when we when I saw this as a topic, I will say this: I looked up what the uh, top drinks were to um, increase sexual arousal, and red wine by far was like the choice. It uh, it boosts um, testosterone in men and increases sex drive in women. Um, but candies. yeah, the, but the the funny thing is that where people think tequila was like the last thing, it was a uh, it does provide like a euphoric effect, but beer was second. And I wouldn't have thought that, but it was like, because it, uh, it overloads a man's body with phytoestrogens. So there, it helps delay orgasm and make men last longer. And I remember being in Jamaica, I I was dating a a Jamaican, a Caribbean man who, uh, West Indian men love to drink, uh, Guinness for that reason. It is. And even though Guinness is like, uh, yeah, to create, create intense and like, uh, erection. And so I thought about the fact of like, that's, it's a tool there oftentimes for, for sexual satisfaction more than it is like, do I enjoy a Guinness? I couldn't tell if like folks were enjoying it or if they were only having it for, for that part. Rude gal. Yeah. Um, and and in that way, right? My Jamaican boyfriend, hey, he would he would he would enjoy himself a Guinness, and he would he would tell me all the time, like, this is how this is why I drink this. This is what you're getting in this experience. Um, and Thank I would be like, really? It. Okay. Yeah. Like, away, the limp. How far away from Dublin, Ireland, are we? But we are. You know what I mean? That's not a traditional thing that I would expect. But there was like. Um, <laughs> N- not to be uh, entendres, but the like thick, creamy head that's in Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The thing I love where, the thick, creamy head. Yeah, I- like the, the thicker and creamier it is, the more that they like are consuming that part. Like I have to. I, that's how I know it's like good, you know. Great mouth. So, yeah. <laughs> Double IPA is the one that helps. Or was it red wine and um, and apparently uh, beer? Both of them I saw were were actual studies were performed on the fact that they boost uh, certain increased testosterone in men or uh, boost sex drive in women from both of those things. But I think I've always heard this this maybe like in wives tales about tequila like tequila people don't will say i don't drink tequila because it makes me wild or it makes me you know do things i don't necessarily want to do and it's the least beneficial it is and also i think 
people don't drink tequila in the states especially how they're supposed to you're supposed to sip tequila y'all like we yeah. slam tequila shots but like good tequila you're supposed to sip wait yes. wait, wait 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 repeat that <clears throat> you're supposed to <laughs> sip good tequila <laughs> Okay, tequila to kill ya only happens when you're slamming back shots of tequila, which yeah. we all know can take you down some strange agave rabbit holes. Look, children. And that's why. That's why, Kylie, I think that's why people then have the wives tell around like, oh, I can't do it. Because again, they're not. And like I said, where you are culturally in the world of like, you know, how you, how you, what's your relationship with alcohol? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I'm like, I grew up where my grandfather made his own rum. I've he in my entire life, and he would put his wine in the rum barrels and age it. Um, we had uh, a vineyard in our backyard, and I live in the uh, you know in the middle of DC, in the city, in the in the in the uh, most urban <laughs> spaces. We had our own little uh, oasis in the backyard. But I remember you know the idea that like it was okay for me to have and to taste the rum as it was aging. It was okay for me to taste the wine. It's a total different experience of like being, um, I don't know, being in, in the, uh, the space now where I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't say the same thing for my kid. You know what I mean? Like, but that was different. That was my grandparents. I was going to say my grandparents were definitely I can't even say were they still are they were heavy drinkers they are heavy drinkers and they mm -hmm. would drink wine at every meal they drink wine yeah breakfast lunch dinner alcoholics I know not <laughs> anonymous <laughs> not anonymous at all so I grew up sipping wine I grew up you know sipping yeah. drinks and um I'm also someone who has like a very high constitution when it comes to just alcohol and like drugs in general Same. so there is that also aspect to me where I'm just like, yo, by the time I get drunk and I'm on any kind of like drunk level, like everybody else is passed out. Like, so then, then that negates that for me. And I'm like, all right, well then toss that out the window um, because that's not fun for anyone. Exactly. I'm the babysitter. This also explains some of the views I have on drinking and sex. I'm just like, I've seen some just shenanigans, some terrible behavior where I'm like, I think if you guys could see what you look like right now, you wouldn't. Right. Yes. Please. Yeah. Yes. So, first of all, I'm not. Film your drunk friend. No. No. We do not film our drunk friends, and we do not take pictures. We do not take pictures. Sometimes I, we do. When there are certain lessons to be learned, I'm like, look, baby, I need you to see exactly what I went through okay. last uh, night. This was my pain, and you need to be <laughs> responsible for it. I. Sorry. I guess I'm like on the lines of like, no, I do not do that. But I also have very not for social friends. media. Not for not for social media. No, you keep <laughs> that shit to media. yourself. You keep yeah, you know, no, no. It might be a thing of showing your friend. I do. I like the idea of Kylie saying showing a friend what they may have been like if they didn't realize where they, you know, especially like I said, where you know, I tend to I know a lot of folks who drink and fight, you know, that's in my family, that's the trait, you know, it's yeah. like, um, and I should know that my, you know, my grandfather's uh, Cuban, you, you get a little bit of cinnamon, nutmeg and ginger on top of that rum. <laughs> it's a fight coming. It's it, it just, it, it's what's next. So for me, I socialize in that way, right? Like, I'm like, I see too much of that. I gotta go because it's a fight coming. That's my conditioning. That's not 
that's not the case, right? But I just don't like to be in the spaces where I feel like I'm unprotected too much. Gotta go. Some some violence is, is accompanying this. So I'm like, there is a level of like showing. I think I, I like that idea of making people accountable a little bit to their behavior of being like, girl, you were uh, this yesterday, you know, and, and I just want you to understand <laughs> that was irresponsible and we can't do that. I cannot be dragging you into your 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 place. I need you to know where you are. Um, yeah, there, there, there's hopefully if you didn't learn those lessons early, then, you know, I think it's important to show that. Yeah. Yeah. My drunk friends have taught me so much compassion and patience because Lord knows there have been some times where I was just like, if I didn't love you so much right now, I would leave you in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Not leave them in the forest. <laughs> yeah. I'm not messing around with too much of that. Cause it's like, you know what? There's also, if you are endangering yourself right like that's a point of friendship we say as long as you're not endangering yourself and or others so when it crosses that line if you're drinking then i don't know how how because i come from a history of alcoholism i think there is a a, a notion where i feel like i have a little bit more of a of a need to to remind people like if you're a danger to yourself in that way i do have to say something to yeah. you because that's not acceptable and and then you become a danger to me and that's, because, that's why yeah. you have friends that is also why you have friends because at no point um are you really like expected for people around you to parent you yes yeah that was a lot in my i keep saying it early 20s in my early 20s <laughs> in my early 20s no that was a lot in my in my early right? 20s yeah like i i feel like not only i had to babysit myself but or not babysit myself. I had to babysit others, but there was a couple times that others had to babysit me. And I remember the last time I blacked out and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that again because I really put a friend of mine through it. She had to like drag me out of an Uber, drag me out of her house or drag me into her house. She had to drag me to her bed. And then like, I was out for like a full, like, 18 hours like I'm surprised I didn't go to I'm, the hospital for like I'm glad you made it to the bed and we're not just like hugging the porcelain gods like um yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no and and I think that was like yeah yeah and that was like the That's last time because I was just like I don't want to be this person like for her and and right. I've never gotten that bad before but that was bad and so I, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to cool it. And so like anytime there was a party and I saw it was really popping and I'm just like, I'm just going to, you know, go take a walk or I'm just going to go home tonight. Good night, guys. Uh, and that really helps kind of re regulate it. But would I be having sex in those conditions? No. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> if you are at that point, is there arousal at that point is the is the question. Yeah. Like if, if you're at the incapacitated, yeah, you're like alcohol poisoning, probably not at the point of arousal at that space yeah and i don't like the feeling that your your body goes into autopilot you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the autopilot side of it too is just like it's just it doesn't make you feel good like it reminds me of like moon king like that episode where he just like passes out and he's like yeah. what have i done <laughs> it makes me feel like that i'm just like nope i need to be in full control because that is scary and so yeah. um but yeah no this is a good chat thanks for bringing this up kylie yeah thanks yeah guys. On to just nerdy. <laughs> Speaking of like emotional arousal, 
just nerdy uh was fandoms that like will take you there we'll send you all the way over the edge it's the fandoms that get under your skin and make you go all out like you're ready to brawl and fight to the end for <laughs> these fandoms toxic fandoms the toxic <laughs> fandoms what do you got what is your most toxic fandom let me know it's anime it still um let me think i'm trying to think of like something that's a because because toxic fandoms exist whether i have them i'm trying to think i feel like the most of those is sports um of, of of many sorts because I feel like um while I didn't grow up in a community that uh fights um around losses and wins right like the burning of jerseys and like with I've seen their rankings of most toxic sports fans and you know people can say whatever they want to say about different places but Philadelphia okay ranks very high on that list. And I am a Celtics fan and that ranks like very high on that list too, where you could be, you know, they will crowd around a home of a, of a sports of an athlete who played and, and basically, you know, the former lynch mob um, because, Hey, you messed up tonight and you lost playoffs for us. Um, we're in the middle of that right now. Um, as a Boston Celtics fan, we're in the middle of the playoffs um, with, against the New Jersey Nets, um, where uh, right now it's a big, big kind of series because Kevin Durant, uh, who's from my hometown, um, is uh, playing in that series with the Nets. And so I get a lot of vitriol from just like, you are in this part, you're rooting for the, the Celtics now, like, but KD is playing. Um, so there's a level of like, I feel like that's a bit of a toxic fandom for me because I take a lot of abuse, but I also shell out a lot of abuse because it's like KD ain't my friend right now. Like I, I respect the dude, he's hometown talent, but I don't really care about that. This space, he's my enemy and I want him gone. I want him, I want his legs broken. I want him out of here, right? And so there's a level of like that kind of um, gladiator sport kind of bloodthirst. Ah, the bloodlust. Yes, I'm like, oh. So I feel like there's a, while there, um, I would even argue that I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I feel like there was, I feel like anybody who is, it's toxic because I don't, JK Rowling and her, ridiculous um ideologies i can't support anything she does I and i can't yeah but it's I, hard for me it's hard this because is where I, I recognize i'm like these are my toxic fandoms right i'm like i yeah. love lord of the rings very eurocentric and yes. then when the movies came out people were like you can't have black hobbits and we're like why that jake what no harry potter is another one of those things i read all the books as they Same. came out very integral to like my childhood joss whedon um because oh, that's another one. Oh my god yes and i was just like it was something <sighs> quentin tarantino like these are creators that as a young child i looked at their artwork and went wow until i learned the roots of where they were actually getting all of their fantastical yeah. ideas from and then it was very it's been a growing up just disheartening just disillusioned like oh this is where you pulled you pulled entire scenes from other movies and had the audacity and gall to not like 
put something in there that you pulled this entire scene from this other movie or like uh or the fact that you treated your actors terribly deserves better everybody on that set deserves yeah. better no this is true i it's just her story being the most one of the most prominent ones yeah, yeah. i mean because she was literally pregnant on the show and you can't be charisma carpenter a is like a, a darling but also like to be so disgusting behind the scenes but also in the show because how mm. she how her character was treated yeah you know That's, it's sickening to think about it now like the, the connecting those dots when you're like connecting oh my those God. dots and being like okay so there were prior episodes where there were a lot of like rape and like demon impregnations and then you find out she's pregnant and then you revisit a lot of these themes and then you essentially make her whole character go through what I assume is like the most nightmarish reality like terrorizing things that a pregnant person could think about you're like oh I'm giving birth to something that is not me I'm giving birth to something that's literally sucking the life out of me I'm giving birth to something that I will possibly never love and it's like all of these postpartum prepartum depression uh just mm-hmm. sick world fantasies that you put into a show like who wow who watched this as a child like this is one of those things where i look back and i'm like mm, i maybe should not have watched this media but also i love it it's terrible i, I think now kylie do you um do you think in today's time does that affect like what our experience is watching it back then because then we didn't know you know what I mean and so it's like like it's like you said we looked at these series we watched we read we we didn't know better so you know better you do better but what is the how do you kind of help the next generation I don't know because I felt really uncomfortable even without knowing any of the back history I felt mm-hmm. uncomfortable with those story arcs. And then, of course, people yeah. come with the arguments of, well, art is supposed to make you think and art is supposed to make you question things and, and at some points make you feel uncomfortable and make you feel unsafe. And I think a lot of these, um, when you're specifically talking about supernatural shows, horror shows, where the idea is that you can explore some of like the real world sicknesses in an alternative fantasy land that allows you to view things through a certain lens but with Joss it's his creations seemed so close to reality and they were like especially as a fan of Joss so knowing how the writers rooms worked even at a young age and knowing how he would pull staff's personal stories um, into the writings and the shows and the episodes like I'm a I'm a fan I'm a real fan fan so knowing who wrote what episodes whose stories are being pulled for what things would I exploit my crew in that way also is mm, we expect a lot of actors and we expect a lot of writers in terms of giving themselves their personal lives Um, and so would I I don't know because there, there's no shield nowadays like you can really be like okay this this is this person's actual story it's being told through this fantasy lens but I know that this is like their story um so I don't know it it does it, it begs a question in my mind of like is this too far uh is this creative enough <laughs> is this an actual creation of like 
or are you just retelling a reality and then you've done nothing to fix the problem? I don't know. That's I, where I, I wonder what they're consuming. Yeah, because like some at some point, like the, someone should pick up these storylines. That's the question of like how they get fixed. Because I feel like comic books forever have have dealt with this, and both DC and Marvel comics have dealt with this. But some of those really like toxic, you know really Tony Stark and Pepper Potts not a good relationship it's like the most toxic thing ever I don't even have to get into Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch <laughs> how in, we don't you know, need to go back into the old school <laughs> X-Men of it all Colossus and Kitty Pride we yep I hear you yes, <laughs> yes. But you know what I'm saying like someone at some point has to go back and and, and resurface those things and get it right like yes oh, yeah. fix that summers and madeline Pryor. please go do something with that there there needs to be because that's oftentimes those relationship dynamics even father-son rela- relationships like harry osborne and norman have like are weird mentally ill folks that are praised for for being geniuses it's like no they're mentally ill you know what I mean? someone has to go and like showcase and i feel like the even in the as the plot lines have been converted to, you know, a uh, movie and cinema, you know, MCU or movie interpretations, cinematic interpretations, that it still kept the same kind of like not really getting to the root of cause of, of things, uh, of how toxic and weird and strange these, you know, unhealthy relationships and violent things are. And I'm like, well, we could I, start there. Well, I think it reverses. Go, go ahead, B. I was going to say, can I play devil's advocate real quick? Mm-hmm. How much of going back to fix misogyny actually compromises from the storytelling of real events that happen in the timeline of those stories? Mm. Yeah. So like when know. X-Men was written, a yeah. lot of cultural things was kind of reflecting based on the storytelling of, current X- of, the, of that X-Men edition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what makes it tough. I mean, I, the same thing could be said about, as, as Kylie was talking about, sort of Lord of the Rings and any Tolkien, any, those Eurocentric fantasy type things, like that comes from a play that's actually a, it's a mild take on the savagery and the kind of primitive behaviors that were happening in 12th century Europe. It's like, um, do y'all know what was going on? So I agree there is a lot. <laughs> y'all know what was going on. <laughs> do y'all know what was happening for real? Like you you upset about this, child. Um, gross. Did we forget yeah. all about the Spanish Inquisitions? All about them. Exactly. Okay. Like, you know, start start looking at some of this real stuff. You're like, Pocahontas, that's not the Disney didn't Ooh, get right. That's um, a toxic. Oh, we're not gonna talk about the mouse right now. The mouse. <laughs> we're gonna get <laughs> shut like, down. <laughs> Let's avoid the mouse altogether. Um, but we please. also know that the mouse TM is um, a particular type of toxicity. Thank you, South yeah. Park, for bringing that alive through the Promise Spring episode of the Jonas Brothers. Appreciate oh, you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what about those Promise Rings, Jonas? <laughs> <laughs> that in itself. <laughs> we can stop. <laughs> yes. But yeah, all of those things that like... Yeah, I, I, I jokingly say every quarter there's a conversation on why Saiyans aren't good fathers. And I've even seen now the, the uh, racial, like racial implications of saying, you know, it's very uh, inconsiderate to, to have Saiyans considered in the same way that like, wait a second, you can't put these 
beliefs on sayings like fatherhood doesn't the dimension of fatherhood means something different just that people have like have applied <laughs> cultural dimensions to uh things that aren't real you know what i mean like but it is real for people and that's what the danger is it's real so they they are putting no Saiyans have when it comes to fatherhood this is how they father and it's like oh tell, tell me more about that like please tell me what what their cultural you know it's like <laughs> the klingons it feels very Klingon yeah. to me yeah yeah people have that same yeah exactly where they're like okay this is how you have to behave and like the understanding of those attributes which is like something breaking it down there i'm like that's toxic in itself a little bit because y'all don't know this ain't real <laughs> stop abandoning your children and using anime as an excuse stop it that goes for everyone that goes for every daddy leaving the house sorry kid i gotta be a hero today i gotta go fight but you haven't been to dinner or my games for like months he's been challenging other he's goku has an addiction we're but we can talk about that on the next episode of lady blair sings the blues there you go good segue i like that good segue excellent segue (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So, um, yes, we are now getting to the closing parts, closing parts of this podcast. We're going to put on a little bit of Mark Cooper. Um, so yes. Wow. Uh, lots of things have happened. Um, big move Monday actually goes out to one of Devane's homies, which I will read aloud to the class. Yes, please. I would love to read aloud to the class. Um, once upon a time, all of your favorite cartoon anime video game characters had an orgy in the machine from the fly and the result was kai kai b michaels a versatile as they are tall and even sexier than they are goofy which is really saying something their stamina is unmatched and their energy is intoxicating this non-binary genre and gender bending queen of cosplay always does the most including commissions check out their maker ig Craft Squared makes for clothing, crafts, and more. You can also catch them co-hosting the Monster Show at the Edge in the Castro, which is in San Francisco, Thursday nights at 10, not a.m., probably the p.m. So I will go ahead and uh, shout out that Big Move Monday this Monday on the Instagram account. I'll also put them on the Twitch page under their Big Move Monday segment. Uh, If you have anybody that you want to nominate for Big Move Monday, let us know. Just let us know. Just give us, shoot us a Instagram, shoot us a something, but make sure it's somebody that you know and you can get their information. So it's basically, I'm shouting out my homie. I'm shouting out my homie today. And that's what it is. So make sure that if you guys want to shout out the homie, give them their flowers. People deserve flowers, maybe even a houseplant, you name it. All right. So that's (laughs) Big Move Monday today. I wasn't sure if we had a call to action. Do we have a call to action this week, ladies? just don't be trash humans please we've had enough our call to action i think we really should tie to earth day and like actually pick up some trash humans please um (laughs) while you're around and out and about pick up some trash it doesn't take much really like just for you to set the intention to take a walk grab a plastic bag grab some gloves maybe you're super fancy and you have one of those extender little picky uppy things so you don't actually have to bend over and grace the ground with your touch and and pick up some trash and then you know 
make your surroundings a more beautiful place. We can Environmental also. literacy means bending over and reducing your carbon footprint. <laughs> that is <laughs> stay protected. <laughs> I was also going to add on to that. If you guys ever buy paper plates or even like those plastic disposable spoons that, you know, are just littering the whole world, go for yeah. bamboo, bamboo alternatives. Try something like well, that. Yes, I use bamboo sheets and do that too, because they are better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Try to find things that are a little bit better and do, do a little bit of your research. So then that way we're just, you know, treating our, our earth a little bit better. I know we're, we're small humans, but we're mighty. Um, and then I guess, am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something. We did our call to action. We had our big booth Monday. Are we there? Things to look out for? Things Are to look there? out for. We're almost yes. there. Almost there, V. Almost there. Almost there. Yes, I got it. So, uh, things to look out for. Um, for me personally, I have gigs with 7th Street. I will be going to, or... There, I think there's a there's a art project called Color Me Gold in San Jose. I'll be performing with them on June 18th. Uh, check us out at the Hudley Club in San Jose. I may be far, but I am able to fly in, so catch me there. Um, and then we're also going to be performing at the Summerfest again for uh, San Jose Jazz. So we are doing the music thing. We are keeping it going. It is awesome. Uh, do you guys have any shout outs or things to look out for for yourselves? Uh, prowess um yes i am uh so i am getting ready to uh launch a tour um coming up this summer and uh i will be sharing a little bit more because it will be kickstarting some kickstarting getting some crowdfunding going but i'm excited to uh tour the northeast and then i'll be touring the pacific northwest so i'm looking forward to it and the west coast uh, but i'm yeah. excited I am looking forward to having a physical location for people to come see me to get these hands. Okay. Look, not a problem is moving from the conceptual side to the reality side. We're making dreams a reality at renting space. <sighs> that is what is on the rise. Yes, I feel it, Queen. You got this. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Lady Blurts Sings the Blues. You can catch this episode here on Twitch, as well as the audio edition on Spotify and Apple Pods or whatever is your favorite RS feed for podcasts. Uh, other than that, uh, if you want to contact us about Big Move Monday, again, you can Instagram one of us or Twitter one of us about who your nomination is. We are open. You can also email us at don'tcastindrive uh, at gmail.com. And then, yeah, follow our stuff. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Keep up to date with us on Sundays as well as Thursdays. We do have Thursday. We do have Thursday um, Twitter chats. So uh, join us there as well. Other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful Sunday and we'll catch you guys the next time. Bye, 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 bye.